Welcome to the Unite Church podcast. For more information about Unite Church, visit unitechurchak.org. Now, enjoy this message. So let's give a warm Unite Church welcome to Lee Yarborough. Muy bien, buenas tardes. You guys remember that? You did take some Spanish probably at school at some point. Way back when, it's um, very, very good to be here. Obviously, which everybody says when they come. I actually have it on my notes. It's great to be here. So I'll stay with the script. And I do stand here before you all today uh, as one who is very grateful. I am. I'm very grateful first and foremost to the Lord and also to a few people that were key and instrumental in sending this out. Obviously, Dick Benjamin, uh, Rick Benjamin. And his wife as well, who was at, you know, ran or led the church afterwards. Also to some people named Frank and Mona Curry, some of my best best friends in the whole world, uh, as well. And not not last, and not obviously the least important is Josh Tanner and his wife Joni, uh, and all of you that are part of Unite Church. And I I do not take lightly the fact that. Um, Everything that's happened historically over the years, the history is important, and I say thank you for letting me speak today. It's actually a privilege to be here, and I want to say before all of you that are here gathered and to you is I commend you and your wife, obviously, in the Lord because I know what it's like to transition some churches. Uh, it's not been an easy gig, as they say, and there's been difficult times. I understand that, but you've weathered them well. And I want to say God bless you guys, and you're worthy of a, a big commendation for everything that you've done over these last years, including the team of people and Unite Church. Uh, like was mentioned, we've been around for a while in Mexico since 1985. We were younger then. Uh, Stacy and I uh, have been married since 1983, and my wife is from Anchorage. She was actually born here. Um, there's, uh, they told me I'm supposed to tell you a little bit about ourselves. But this is where you can just kind of go, here, boy. Um, but um, she was born here. She actually gave her life to the Lord here in this church in 1974, way back when. Uh, and she went to this place called Dunamis Christian School, which was in this area and stuff, uh, in this building. And she was a graduate of the Bible school, as well as myself. I gave my life to the Lord and a mega church down on the Kenai Peninsula, a mega city called Anchor Point. Um, that's where I got my life to the Lord way back when, in the mid-70s. took me a long time to get on track. But um, it's important because Anchor Point, which seems like a very insignificant place, is very significant in my history, in my story, because that's where the Lord called me unto himself. So if you are a believer here today... Uh, and even if you're not, you are very significant people because we're significant and the Lord brings sin significance to our lives because we're in him. It doesn't matter where you come from or what your background is. I come from a very broken home, dysfunctional family, parents divorced. My mom was an alcoholic. I was a drug addict. I was a surfer and I was a roughneck working out in the Kenai Peninsula on the Grayling and Monopod platforms. But yet God can do things with any and all of us. So it's great to be here. And uh, we were married in 83. We were sent out in 1985 with a one-year-old kid. And we've kind of been in Mexico ever since and some other places around the world. So I just want us to remember what the Lord has said to us. 
maybe what the Lord is speaking to us as well. And so today we're going to use a story, uh, the story of Abram, actually, or Abraham, as many of us know him. And we're going to talk a little bit about his story, emphasizing three points, which are simple points, his call, Part of his journey, if you know a little bit about the Bible, there's no way you can cover the whole story in the time that we have, but also the sacrifice involved in that story. You know, as, as you get a little bit older, I'm a little bit older, I'm older than I've ever been. I'm 60 now, I'm 60 this year, uh, and with our kids, actually two of them are single, I don't know what you're going to say about my kids, but you know, just be careful. Uh, but I do have... Uh, Two, our oldest, our, our, my boys are 35, 32, 30, and 24 years of age. The oldest two are married. We have two grandkids, two little grandgirls, granddaughters, you say in English, um, and one little grandson along the way, and they're married to Mexican girls, so that's pretty cool. Uh, and you, as you move around and, and things, you realize how good the Lord is. And I was asked a question a few months back, I think by the Lord himself, and he asked me basically the question, will you continue? You know, I don't believe I hear the Lord every single day, like, you know, really strongly, but I've heard the voice of God a few times. Will you continue to take steps of faith? Are you going to continue to walk in faith with me regarding your future? And like any wonderful person that's a Christian, I said, um, I guess so. And I think that kind of sums up all of us. We hear, or we think we hear, the voice of the Lord in our life asking us to do certain things, and we kind of respond like, mm, yeah, I'd like to believe I would do that. And so my, my emphasis today would be be part of the story that God is writing with you. You give where you live as part of the series that was started last week, but it is being part of God's story. After all, God's writing a big story. The scripture itself is God's magna historia. It's the, it's the magna carta. It's the big overall story of God himself from Genesis to Revelation. And we find ourselves in all these stories that we find in the scripture with men and women, young and old. And we're part of that. And I believe some of you might get challenged today uh, to continue to walk by faith individually and also as a church. I believe in this church. I believe this with my whole heart. I believe there are people here that still need to be sent. I believe there's church plants in the future for the church. Uh, doesn't mean overseas. It could be on the other side of this city. It could be in any, any place in the state of Alaska or whatever. Uh, but I believe it's here, actually. And I believe God's going to speak to some of you to take new steps of faith that maybe you think maybe the Lord has spoken to you, but maybe during this message you'll hear the voice of God again or afresh and all of that. And some of us maybe just need to remember what God has said, and he will bring that to your remembrance today, and we need to respond to what God has already spoken to us. So we'll read the scripture. It's one of my favorite texts. It's kind of like my life verse uh, in Genesis chapter 12, and it goes like this. The Lord has said to Abram, go from your country your people and your father's household, to the land that I will show you. I'll make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. He was 75 years of old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife, Sarai, or Sarah, I call her Sarah, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for this place called Canaan, and they arrived there. When we talk about faith, 
It's simply, it's a very simple definition. Don't over-spiritualize it or anything like that. It's where you put your complete trust or confidence in someone or something. That's what it's all about, and we all do that at many different levels in our lives. Where do we place our confidence, and then if you extend that out, your reliance? What do you rely on? Who do you rely on? Who are you dependent upon? What are your true convictions? What is the conviction that you have regarding your faith and where you're placing that faith, and what do you believe about that? Abram, at the start of the story, making reference back to when he heard God's voice, he had heard the voice of God. But he's still limited in his knowledge of him, kind of like you and I when we first start out walking in the Lord. We hear God say, come unto me, we give our lives to the Lord, but we don't really know him that well. And we grow in our knowledge of him. But in this case, this is a whole new beginning to have a people of God in all the earth. Because prior to chapter 12 of Genesis, you have chapters 3 to 11. 11 comes before 12. And what you have is, is you have... Judgment, meaning Eve, she was deceived. Adam sinned. They're banished from the garden. After that, you have, you remember Noah and this thing called the flood when the people were wiped out and his family was saved. Then you have this thing called the Tower of Babel or Babel uh, where man's trying to make a name for himself, trying to make a way to heaven when God destroys that and says, no, it's not going to be that way. But in this whole thing, this is a prophetic message this whole thing about I will bless you and I will make your name great, a great nation, it'll be blessings to the earth. What that obviously, well not obviously, but what the story is about, it's a prophetic story speaking about God the Father coming uh, in the flesh through Jesus Christ. We celebrated that today in the Lord's Supper and actually the nations of the earth being blessed and a people, a new people of God that's being formed. That's why we have Nations of the world where there's Christian witness, still there's many places to go. But God will have a people from every nation, tribe, and tongue. But there was a huge problem in this story. There's a couple little verses before chapter 12 that says, Now, just so you know, Sarah was childless because she was not able to conceive. Hmm. Well, how is this all going to happen if she can't conceive and she's childless? But it says also before chapter 12, so they set out from Ur, which the home, that was their hometown and city, and they start heading out to Canaan, and they get to this place called Haran, and they settled there. I don't know about you. Many times, it's easy to say 35 years in Mexico. Woo, 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 woo. I've wanted to settle many times, and I've wanted to return from Mexico. I wanted a, I still do, kind of, especially as you get a little bit older, um, I wanted to settle down and have a comfortable life, own a home, you know, stuff like that. But God hasn't allowed us to do that for whatever reason. We've lived in like seven cities. We've planted some churches. We work into Africa. We work into Canada and Peru and Bolivia and stuff like that. And it's kind of like, okay, I'm ready for something to shift a little bit. But the other part of that is sometimes, and I'm not talking about geography now. I'm talking about in your heart. Sometimes I believe we can settle too much and we can get sidetracked really from what God has asked us to do or wanting us to do. So Abram will take the road again after the death of his father. He's 75 years old and he was going to learn that God would become everything for him that he hadn't previously known before. He's going to grow in faith and knowledge just like you and I do. 
And he's going to learn to respond to this call, this provocation of God himself. And he's going to take these steps of faith. We all want to grow. Like if I was to ask you, how many of you want to grow in faith? Anybody here want to grow in faith? Grow in faith in Jesus' name. No, that doesn't happen that way. In order to grow in faith, you have to take a step of faith. You can't just say, I want to grow. And it's, going to, it's not going to happen. If we all want to grow in faith, we respond to the provocation of God or the Holy Spirit. You take a step of faith and you actually find yourself in a new place and what God is calling us to do. So he was going to learn that and he was going to grow in that obedience. So they take off. And the whole point is this. If you are a believer here today, and this is a mandate, not from me, but from God himself, God has blessed you. Okay? That's just a statement. God has blessed you. And the other one is to be a blessing. No questions asked. There is no doubt. Am I called to go bless the earth? Of course you are. Am I called to affect my neighborhood? Of course you are. Am I supposed to be a blessing in my school? Of course you are. Am I supposed to actually bless these neighbors who I can't stand that live to one side of me? Of course you are. We're all called to be a blessing. Blessed to be a blessing. Now some, in my case, myself, were called to another country. Yeah, that's just what God's called us to do. Okay? Some are called to go to other cities. And that's why I still believe, I was kind of meditating on this this morning early, uh, before I had any coffee, because there's no coffee in Frank and Mona's house. Um, but it's okay. I forgive you. But what happens is, I had to go to Kaladi's. Um, and that was, I was up super early, and so it was like 8.15 when I had my first cup of coffee. So some of us are called to stay as well. Okay? Many more of us are called to stay rather than go to another city. But I believe there's people called here. I really do. And I'm not just saying that to say that. I believe in the future. I believe every local church, actually, should be, part, be a missional people, okay, in some capacity, which you are. Because even in your giving here, you are actually being missional into Mexico because a, a part of what comes into this church is sent to us every month. That's why this guy, without even knowing me, okay, he stayed with what was happening at the church, and I commend you for that as well, and I'm grateful, I really am, because you guys are actually being missional into Mexico in some ways as you give for the extension of the kingdom, and I will always, always be grateful for that. But everyone is called to participate. There's not a one of us here. It doesn't matter the demographic. It doesn't matter how old we are and how much hair and all these kind of stuff that we have or don't have anymore. We're all called to participate in this. And we're called to pray for one another. One, of the, one person said to me this morning, just so you know, I walk every morning and I pray, and I will be praying for you. I say, thank you. That's participating. You're called, you and I are called to give, to encourage those that are out there working, to use your gifts, give where you live, use your gifts and talents that God has given you where you live, in the neighborhood that God has placed you in now, not next week or next year, now where you study, the business that you run, maybe the employee that you are, the neighbors that you have, the people that you come in contact with, the people that you, I don't know, at the gym or whatever you do, um, play golf or play cards or whatever it is, crochet. I don't do that, but I, they tell me these like these crocheting club things. Um, but we're all called to be missional, meaning we're all called to be a blessing to the people that God has put around us, and we're called to be incarnational. What does that mean? We are the body of Christ. 
We are called to be the expression of Christ, his hands, his feet, his mouth, his voice into the world here. And it can be in Anchor Point, Alaska. It can be in Anchorage. It could be wherever God has placed you. But you have to be willing to be moving mobile in your heart. We're about being a people. This is important within the story. He asked him to leave his, his hometown and his country. It was his father's household. What do those things bring us? Your home, most of the time, okay, in a good world. It brings your identity. It's who you are. I'm an, I'm a, an Alaskan, or I'm a whatever. I'm, I'm Texan, actually. Don't hold that against me. I was born in Texas. Grew up in California like, hey, dude. Um, but that's where we get our security, all that that implies, your hometown, your home country, your family, and all that. He was from a wealthy background, Abram was. He actually had a very well-to-do status, but also was very pagan and very idolatrous, very much like the world you and I live in today. The world in which we live is very idolatrous. It's very pagan. There's not a lot of believers at, at many, uh, many places in life. So he's calling us, just like he did with Abram, he's calling him to make a complete break from his past. The things that gave him all that security, comfort, all those things. No, this is a new beginning. If anyone be in Christ, the old has come, the new, or the old has gone and the new has come. It's a new creation in Christ himself. We leave that behind in order to serve the living God, the one who has called us unto himself. But you might say, well, I'm not so sure. What could hold us back? What holds you back from what God's wanting you to do? Sometimes the same thing that brings us security can actually be an influence in us for not fulfilling the will of God in our lives. What does that mean? I know people. You might know people. Our own families can cause us not to continue to move forward in the Lord. The pursuit of always the bigger step in the career. Maybe so, maybe not. It's not wrong. But does that impede what God's called us to do? The look, looking for pleasure and all those things. Is there a reason to stay exactly where you're at? Never move to another city? Of course there is. It doesn't mean you have to go somewhere, but it's to be missional where you're at. You might have to stay to take care of your family. That's fine. There might be illness or physical limitations for you, but we want to be missional in the place that God has placed us now and do that right now. When I gave my life to the Lord in this little place called Anchor Point, I always say I got saved in a megachurch because, you know, there's only a few hundred people in the town at the time, and there's like 40 or 50 people in the church at the time, so like 20% of the population was in the church. If you had 20% of Anchorage here right now, we'd be a megachurch, but we're not. But anyway, in my case, I got saved in a megachurch, you know, sorry for all you other guys. But really, what I said, I, was, I really was, I was this really broken person. And I called out to God in the most sincere way I knew how at the time. I said, God, save me, or whatever the words are. But I said, Lord, I want to do your will. Do with me whatever you wish. I want to please you. Not mine, but yours be done. I'll never forget that. And he's held me to it all these days of my life. He's never let me forget that. I've wanted to forget it at times. But whatever you call me to do, I want to do that. And that meant for us, in our context, to go to Mexico. This place that Canaan, that Abraham is going to, was a place of blessing for him. And actually, it was an offspring thing as well, which we'll speak about in a moment. But it also, he says, I will take you to the land that I will show you. 
You guys are really quiet. I personally believe that too many of us, myself included, and I've wanted this to happen many times, I want to know what's up first, especially if you're North America. We've got to have it all figured out. Okay, what's the plan? How's it going to get there? Where do we get there? And where's the walking by faith? We want to have it all sussed out. Actually, those that are sons of God are being led by the Spirit of God is a perfect present tense of the verbs. And it means as you are actually on the move, walking, you are being led. It's not like you're stationary. Okay, lead me. No, it's actually while you're on the move, you are being led by the Spirit of God. And so he's going in a place that God would show him. Recently, I was, I was in this place called Aguas Calientes, Hot Waters. Okay, We've planted a few churches around Mexico, and the, the blessing of this was this. I went on Easter Sunday just to preach at this Dia de Campo, like a camp day, like a church in the park kind of a thing. And I was kind of overwhelmed and a little bit emotional, had a little tear in my eye. Why? Because there was now three generations of believers there. That's how long we've been in Mexico. And it's the same in many cities over. People that came to the Lord through these young people that didn't know what they were doing at the start, believe you me, that had to learn Spanish, all these kinds of things, but you just are there with some people and you're trying to extend the kingdom and God does amazing things. And to see now those that are older and now some of their, their children and then the grandkids worshiping God, I'm going, this is what this is all about. And that can happen in this city with you and your own life as well. You don't have to go to Mexico to do it is what I'm saying. Okay? Thank you, Lee. You're welcome. Okay. And this place was tangible. There was a land. There was going to be crops. There was going to be all kinds of stuff. And the people would see it was going to be tangible for people to see the blessing of God. And that's why in the text, if you were paying attention, it says, I will, I will, I will, I will. I will. Is that five? That's five times he says that. It's not about Abram. It's like God says, I will do this. And it's not about us. It's actually God working through us if we will allow him to do that. And I have felt, and even to this day, I still do. Sorry, I'm just going to, I'm going to, it's, anyway. I've felt very inadequate in Mexico at times. Like, what in the world am I going to do now? And I'm not making this stuff up, you know. Most guys might not admit that, but we all think it. And it's the same way with all of us. What am I going to do now? Actually, there's a couple prophetic words that happened in this church years ago when we got sent. One was that said, I see you with a clay pot with water, dispensing water to thirsty souls in the desert. Do you know where I live? A lot of my time has been in the driest part, the high desert of Mexico, the central plateau for many, many years. You know what that place is? It's the least evangelized part in all of Latin America. Now, who would have guessed that? Okay. Another one was God will give you grace to adapt to Mexico. You will become Mexican. I know I don't look Mexican, but actually it's just there is a Mexican in there trapped in a white guy's body. Okay. That's just the way it is. That's just how I live, and that's how I move, okay? But they said, God will give you grace to adapt to Mexico, the culture, and the language. Years will become as months. Months will become as days or as weeks, and weeks will become as days. And I believe that actually has happened. I'm Mexican. Así soy yo, okay? So God actually has committed himself to Abram. As much as we think it's about Abram committing himself to God, no, it's more about God has committed himself to to Abram. But she's, Sarah in this case, is barren. She's childless. She's not qualified. How is this going to happen? And many of us, I believe, we look at ourselves 
We look at our past. We look at our present. And we say, in this shell, mm -mm. we disqualify ourselves. But you know what? It's not about us. It's about him. It's about the power of God in us. That's the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I don't feel too blessed to be a blessing to others. How am I going to be a blessing when this is going on in my life? Let me remind you about a few things that I wrote down. We were once not a people, and Josh mentioned it, but now we're the people of God. Do you ever remember that? Once we were enemies of Christ, now we have been reconciled. We were by nature object of wrath, but God, because of his grace and Mercy, we were once far off. Now we have been drawn near. We were once lost. Now we're found. I'm going to hyperventilate. We were slaves to sin. Okay, I was. I don't know about you. A slave to sin. Now we're slaves to righteousness. We were without hope. Now we're full of hope. Once we were alone. I was a very lonely person. I was on my own. Now we're in family. I have people and friends around the world from many cultures in the world, and I am grateful for that. I've learned so much from them. Without reason or purpose, and now we've got a reason to live. Once sinful, now holy and righteous. And all this comes from God. Are you blessed? Oh, wait, there's one other thing. If that was not enough, just to remind us, if you are a believer, eternal life, is that a good one? I mean, you know, let me tell you about that one if you don't feel like you're blessed. So we are actually pretty blessed to be a blessing. And I want to say this. This is my heart to you. It's not my scripture, but it says this. Philippians says to uh, Paul, <laughs> to the Philippians says, I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for you with joy because of your partnership. And you guys really have partnered in Mexico. You might not think you've never seen me before, but the truth is, see. Han participado muchísimo en México. Okay, you have partnered with us, and that's true. From the first day until now, but being confident of this, and this is what Paul says, the one, the one, who began the good work in you, it's him in you, he will carry unto completion, to maturity, his work in you until the day of Christ. And that really is my heart. So the call of God is being, is blessed to be a blessing. The journey is an important one as well. Let's at least keep moving in our hearts. But these people, Abram and his family, had settled in a place called Haran before going on to the promised land. Have you stopped? Have you settled? And this is just your patch. And that's, have you forgotten what God's called you to be and to do? Have you just kind of put that off to the side? He's now on the move at 75 years of age. They arrive at the promised land finally. And then there's a famine in this promised land. And there's a problem. They have to go searching for food. So they go down to this place called Egypt because there was a severe famine in the land. And he takes Sarah with him. And this wonderful man of God, full of faith and power and all this, he says, look, Sarah, I got a plan. And he says, you know, you're beautiful. Mi hermosa, mi vida. All that kind of stuff. The romantic language, okay? Que guapita eres. The Egyptians will see you, and they're going to know that you're my wife, and they're going to want to kill me, so we're going to do something. And I need it to go well for myself. This is all in the text. You can read it later if you don't believe me. I'm not making this stuff up. He says, you're going to be my sister. Cool. Okay. Whatever happened to God's promise, that through them and their offspring, their offspring the nations would be blessed. Well, you're going to be my sister. 
because I don't want to be killed. That was still valid. Was Abram ever going to be killed? Of course not. God wasn't going to let it happen because it's going to be through them that the nations would be blessed. But he's worried about himself, a bit selfish. There's no men in this room that have ever been selfish in their marriages by any stretch of the imagination. Okay, that only happens in Mexico, not here. Okay, and then it all happens as planned. They go down to, to Egypt, and there's Pharaoh's palace, and they notice that she is guapita, that she's really uh, pretty. And he takes her, and don't, I'm not going to say it, but just think about it for a second. Pharaoh takes Sarah to be his wife. Cool. Okay? Now, that's kind of just interesting, a little bit weird, and a little bit twisted. Okay? And this is the man of God, the man of faith, the one with the call of God on his life. It happens just the way they plan. Actually, Abram does acquire all kinds of sheep, cattle, donkeys, camels, men, servants, maidservants, and Sarah is the wife of Pharaoh. But then, because of the Lord himself, Pharaoh's inflicted with disease, and he figures out what's going on here, and he says, Abram, why have you done this to me? Take your, why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Okay? And so they send him off with all these possessions and things. He separates from his nephew Lot later on. But what happens in the story is that later, right after, a little bit after this, the word of the Lord comes to Abram again in a vision. He says, don't be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield and your great reward. And Abram says, and Lord, what are you going to give me? Because the servant of my household, I remain childless here, and some servant over here is going to be the one who receives all of the inheritance of who we are. You haven't given me any children, so servant in my household. Hey, the guy from my gym just actually texted me from Mexico wanting to know when I'm going to go back to the gym. That'll be on Wednesday, but I don't have time to answer right now. <laughs> so, he says, he took him outside. They're in a tent he says, he pulls Abram outside, says, look up. We need to look up every once in a while. And not look here and look down at things. Look up. God wants to change our perspective on what we're called to and called to be. And that's what this is about. He says, count the stars if you can. That's going to be your offspring. Which ultimately is fulfilled through Christ and everyone else across the face of the earth because we are now the people of God. Don't be afraid. What would he be fearful of? Are you afraid? Maybe of God's promise being fulfilled in your life? Of the unknown, you're afraid of other people. Maybe of our own selves, of a new thing, doing something, the present situation. How about our past mistakes? Thank God that in my family, being married for about 36 years, four kids, I've never committed any mistakes. <laughs> but that's just how it is. There isn't any of us who haven't regretted something, lamented something, or would like to have a do-over. Can we try that again? No. But God is redemptive. He's forgiving. He is a good and loving God. And he says to him again, Lord, what can you give me? These are real issues. What about the dream? Some of us, we think the dream is over. Some of us, we have a loss of perspective. We're resigned to the fact that it's never going to happen. They had some serious doubts. Okay. And so Sarah then comes up with a brilliant idea. That's what the English say, a brilliant idea. What is the brilliant idea? She says, look, we are old. 
This isn't happening. Uh, I say that you go sleep with our servant, and maybe it's through her that we're going to have this promised child that literally was said. So now, since Abram has learned his lesson, he made a mistake, he's had a vision, God has spoken to him, change of perspective and all that, he says, um, Sarah, no way. You are out of line here. This can never happen. He says, okay, I'll do it. And he goes and sleeps with her, and she becomes pregnant. It's a story of este, Hagar and Ismael and Ishmael. Okay? And so she does, and there's a spicing of all of that. So I would say to us, this is a bit, dis a bit dysfunctional, a bit strange, but they're trying to do things in their own way. Instead of God's way, sticking with what God had said for them to do. And we all have that, and there will be setbacks, there will be challenges to us all. But I have seen, at least now that I have a little bit of time on this earth, I have seen how God can work in ways that go way beyond what seems possible and what we think can actually happen with us. Because the redemptive part of God, his grace and his mercy come to us time and time and time again. We might think it's over, but God can do something new. Okay? And that's just a fact. There's a visitation of the Lord to them, to Abram, and it says, sometime later, it says, we're going to come back in a year and you're going to have a baby. Sarah laughs. They said, why did your wife laugh? She says, I didn't laugh. She's a liar. But she laughed to herself like, she's a cynic. It's cynicism. This could never happen. <laughs> nah, I didn't, I didn't laugh at you, God. He knows. But remember covenant. That's the whole point. Is in the, it says in the text, is anything too hard for the Lord? Now, what I'm saying is anything too hard for the Lord and what he is saying, not what we desire necessarily or what we think has to happen. What is it that God has said? What is it God, God is promising? What has God asked us to do? Is anything too hard for the Lord to accomplish in that? No. Never. He will fulfill that to completion. So they have this son, Isaac. He makes me laugh. And the funny thing is, she's looking at her viejo, we say in Espanol. She's looking at this guy. This guy? Babies? Nah. Her? Mm-mm. But yet, out of intimacy, things happen. If you want things to happen in your life in the Lord, it's got to be born out of intimacy with him. Spending time with him. It's not just a program. It's not just doing things. It's first and foremost being at the feet of Jesus, worshiping him, letting him speak, being quiet enough to stop to speak and let him speak to you so you can hear him. And then we get up and we do the things that he's asking us to do. It's born out of intimacy. And to finish this message is the sacrifice. The very thing that God had promised, he says, I want it. Sacrifice, kill him. Okay, at this point, I believe Abram had total trust and confidence in God because 25 years had passed. He had learned some things along the way. After all, his son wasn't his. It was given by God. The life that you have in Christ is given because Christ first gave his life for you. So our life isn't our own, if you're a believer here today. It belongs to him and what he would like us to do with it. And what he wants us to do with it is to sow it into this world. Give where you live. You want to know the secret to our success in Mexico? Would you like? Nobody said anything, so would you like? Oh, thank you. Thanks for asking. Um, you know what the secret is? 
is you sit down with people and you sow your life into their lives. It's not so much, we've had some great meetings, it's not so much the meeting, but you exist for the people. You go and visit them where they live. Could be higher class or super lower class. It could be in the desert villages of the Indians or it could be in the big cities of the world, in Mexico City. But you have time, as Jesus did, to sit with somebody, to ask them some questions, to listen, to hear. You open up your home and invite them over. Question, when was the last time, if you are a believer here, you had someone that was a non-believer in your home for a meal? Lord, reach the city! It's the Lord reaching the city through you and I. It's you and I sitting down at the wherever, school, work, whatever, and say, hey, I'd like to take you out to lunch. Why? Just hang out to develop friendship. It doesn't take rocket science. It's not really difficult. People, when they feel loved and embraced, they actually will listen to you. The music's coming on, so I gotta finish quick. Are you guys in a hurry? Because I'm not. I'm on Mexican time right now. So anyway, so, um, but he says, take your one and only son. You remember that language about God's one and only son going to be a sacrifice for you and I? The thing that God cherished the most is his own son. But because he loved us, he gave him. And so they're going to go up to this mountain. And Abram tells his servants or his helpers, he says, me and the boy are going to go to worship, but we will come back. He knew God was going to do something. And so the young boy asked a really profound question. He goes, hey, Dad. Yes, son. Um, I see we're going up the hill. Yes, son. Uh, we got some wood here, and we, they carried the fire. And we got some fire. I don't see the lamb of sacrifice. You're in, son. You're in. He didn't say that. He says the Lord will provide. And they go up, and Isaac is bound, just like Christ was bound to the cross, nailed to the cross, the Lamb of God, which would take away the sin of the world. The one that we, I, I always get broken up every time I do this. It's like we just celebrated the Lord's Supper. We're announcing to the world and to each other in this room and to everybody else the death of the Lord Jesus until he comes. And everything that's involved in that, the one sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice, the one who takes away the sin of the world, the one that calls us unto himself to take steps of faith. Will you trust me still? Will you still trust the Lord, I ask today? Will I as well? Because it's a constant struggle for me as well. Paul says it like this. In view of God's mercy, present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Worship is this, of course, with, you, with all the musicians. That's worship. But a living sacrifice, we live it out there. The sign says exit. We will exit these doors out into the world to live in worship to the Lord because he came to us at our most broken moment. Do you remember the prayer that you made or did or whatever it is in English that you made, that you prayed when you gave your life to the Lord? I promise you, Lord, this. My life is yours. Everything is it still. I 
feel like the Lord asked me that a lot. He wants all our life, the thing that we treasure the most. It's our life. Isn't that what we're all self-preservation these days is all about? Taking care of yourself, your image, success, wealth. We work really hard at it. We invest in it quite a bit. But he gave us his son. What's he asking for? If you want to be great, and this will never change, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's the greatest commandment. And the second, el segundo es semejante, amarás a tu prójimo como a ti mismo. Love your neighbor as yourself. On that, everything depends. And it's never going to change. You want to find life? You give your life to the Lord. You want to be great? Be a servant. You want to find yourself realized in this world and this thing we call the kingdom of God? Sow your life. Give it to other people. We are the seed of God. God is sowing our lives. We're sowing our lives into the ground of this world. One man sows. One man waters. You know, God's the one going to give the increase, but we're all called to die for him. And as we get a little bit older, you know, some of us that maybe be retired, we have some extra time. I'm not retired. Um, but um, we, have, we have a little bit extra time. And I believe... And I say this just openly. With my four boys, we've been through a lot. And they've been through a lot. Just like any other family. And they don't want to see religion for religion's sake. They want to see something authentic. I believe younger people today want to see the authentic. And older people that have run a race a little bit, and they say, I am inspired by that. And those of us have a little bit extra time, empty nesters, retired or whatever, we need to encourage younger people to come through and say, come on. And as they see us taking new steps of faith, still, it will inspire them to follow and say, if that guy can do it, maybe I can as well. But they want authenticity. They want the real genuineness. Is it difficult? Yeah. Paul told Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. Jesus himself said, Father, regarding the Santa Cena, the communion, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But not my will, you'll be done. Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But not my will, yours be done. Father, if it's possible, if there's some other way, let this cup pass from me. But not mine, but yours be done. It's passion he wants you and I to have. And you get that by spending time at the cross and remembering that as we go forward. So, in conclusion, my friends, sorry, I'm a little bit over. We have a tremendous calling. It's a privilege to be called child of God. To be with God himself and to go into all the world. It's a journey, yes. And it takes many turns there's highs and lows, believe you me, and you guys know that. It's different from er for everybody specifically, but collectively, it's the same in many, many ways. The sacrifice is my life is yours. You've given it to me. I don't deserve it. I've given it back. There's going to be valleys. I've written this down. I'm not much of a poet, but I'll read it because I wrote it. There will be valleys and mountaintops. There are valleys, sure, and there's mountaintops. There's sun, there's rain, there's wind, there's snow. You guys know a little bit about snow? There's calm, 
and there's times of storms. Summer's pretty hot, at least where I live, not where you guys live. When the fall comes, there's change. There's always changing times. There's this the sign of the approaching winter, the coldness and the harshness of that. But in springtime, there's new growth. There's freshness in the air. Every season is different. They all have good and bad characteristics, and I've been through them all. You've been through many of them. But God is in every single season. There's abundance. I've known a little bit about abundance, and there's been lack. There's been health and sickness. Some of my closest friends have died over the last two years in Mexico. It's not easy. Okay? There's achievements. Yeah, we plan on churches. There's success. But there's been mistakes. There's laughter and sadness, tears, but there's always forgiveness. But you can't go back. Can't go back. God's grace is sufficient. I say, don't stop. And these are such heroes of the faith, people that we can learn from, men and women, just like you and I. And I always say, can you hear what they're saying? Can you hear that? Can you hear what they're saying? The people that have gone before me, they would want nothing more. And my friend, my closest friend, when he was dying, says, Lee, keep going. Keep doing the stuff. They want nothing more than for you and I to keep moving forward until our time is done. And that's what these stories call to us. They're calling, they're beckoning us to come, to go, and to do the will of God until he says it's all said and done. Being a blessing for the nations. He says, you go, all of us. Go and make disciples. Baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey all my commands, the things that I've spoken to you. And just in case you might forget, I say it's like one of the greatest promises ever. Jesus said, and yes, or lo, in King James, I will be with you always. I will be with you always until the very end of the age. We might not understand. We might ask why. But never doubt that the Lord's with us in everything. I don't understand how many times, but I do know this. He is with me and he's with you every step of the way. And I say to you, my friends, and many of you are my friends that I've known for a long time, maybe, and some of you I've never even seen before, but hey, great to meet you. Run well. Run well. Stay true. Stay true. Run well, okay, till the end. And you'll hear it. Well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. If you're not a believer here today and you say, you know what, I want to give my life to the Lord, I'm not even going to make it very difficult. If you want to give your life to the Lord today, even if you don't quite understand what that means, but you say, I want to do that, would you raise your hand and somebody will pray with you? Thank you. I don't know if there's anybody else around that would like to do that. If you feel too as well that you've kind of stopped running, you've become a little bit too settled and you just want to acknowledge, I want to make sure, Lord, that you see me and I'm recommitting my walk in you. If you would raise your hand too as well, that'd be great to see. Thank you. I don't know if there's somebody. Thank you. Thank you for that. So Father, I pray 
for those that have raised their hand. I pray you would bless them. I pray that the people that minister to them would help them respond to you and with all their hearts. Thank you that you accept us just as we are in every season, in every way whatsoever. And I pray for this church. I thank you. I really do, Father, for Unite Church, the rich history, but it's, its present reality and its glorious future. It's your church. Bless Josh and the team here and everybody that helps and serves so wonderfully and faithfully. People like Mona and Frank and others that have been around for a very, very long time. Father, I commend them to you in the name of the Lord. I ask your blessing to be with them, your presence to guide them in every step of the way. God, I pray that this church would continually take steps of faith, continually grow, take risks, and see your blessing upon it in many different ways, Father. We thank you for this time. In your name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at unitechurchak.org. We hope to see you soon.